Hello, you're listening to Abiding Life Studios. I'm Noah Wells. Today in the studio, I have Betty Wells. Again, and thank you. Hello. Yes, and this is part two. And we have on the phone with us again, Ramundo from Argentina. Hello. Hello. And we got a couple more questions for you. Yes, because we felt okay. like we didn't didn't exhaust the possibilities mm-hmm. in part well. one. So maybe we could start off, Ramundo, with talking about the country in the Spanish-speaking world that you feel has had the most growth for Abiding Life Ministries International. Yes. Um, it would be difficult to, to exactly evaluate what growth means, because as I mentioned in the, in the previous session, there are countries where one has never been, like Cuba, and the dynamics there, the way the spirit works there, uh, makes up for whatever one in our, one in his weakness or, or in his capacities can think that he can do or make progress in a, in a ministry, in a, in a country. For example, Cuba, we, we did no physical, we had no presence there in Cuba, and look what happened in, in, in the country in Cuba, and uh, how the ministry has, well, we have no one there really working as someone in the ministry, but it's seeped in to the I suppose the preaching and the the way of speaking and the teaching of many many pastors. Imagine having seven thousand five hundred or seventy five hundred books running around in Cuba and people lending books to each other because they 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 like them and because one recommends it to another. That is an influence that we don't see it. We cannot measure that. In, in terms of, of, of well, uh, numbers of people or, or someone who is on board and is, is teaching, like we have, for instance, David Casana in Mexico, who is working, preaching, teaching, use it in, using the books in his, in his seminary he is leading, or that you can see in, in Uruguay with Alfredo, who goes around the country and promotes Abiding Life message, distributes books and uh, organized a conference for us, uh, you remember, in, in 2011. Or you have a, a church in Bogota that, that uh, opened up to let us do a, a conference there, and a five-day, one-week conference, marriage conference with Tim. Or, or if you have someone in, in Peru that like Henry, our friend Henry Romero there, who was a, an assistant to the, our first contact there in Apostle Julio Rosas, uh, Henry there has, has developed the ministry he's working in. He's working in Every Home for Christ. But mm-hmm. he's related to us in such a great way that uh, when we need anything and we have books or we need to print books for Chad to have in his area where he goes to minister, we have Henry there producing books for us, shipping books, uh, organizing a conference as we had in in Peru in 2015. Uh, I think that evaluating where 
uh, where the ministry has grown most is difficult. Only the Lord knows how, how much it has grown. Because sure. maybe in countries we there are many people on board, like in, in Costa Rica. I know that in Costa Rica we don't get many, many responses from there, but we have one brother there, Edgar Gutierrez, who was in the first Taste and See little conference I had after Mike passed away. And when we went back with Tim, he was there and brought a whole bunch of people from his church. And he's preaching and teaching that absolutely as the truth and God's inspiration for him. So we don't know really how, how, how expanded it is because we don't know how many people are responding but uh, there are many countries in which there's a lot of work being done by believers themselves, you know. And, and well, uh, which has grown more, it's difficult to say. But really, something is happening, something's going on in every country we visit, you know. And, and uh, that's, that's very interesting, and we thank the Lord for that. There are different ways to evaluate growth in, in this. Yes, in this growth country. and impact. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And... Um, so, Raimondo, also, as we're talking about impact in the Spanish-speaking world and all, we, we'd like to hear how you first became acquainted with the Lord in your upbringing and also how you became acquainted with Abiding Life Ministries. Well, I, my, my, at home, my mother was a Christian. She was a Presbyterian. Then she became a Baptist. My father was a Lutheran, but we received all our uh, Christian teaching and and influence from my mother. She was great in prayer. And uh, my conversion is no, no, there are no fireworks there at all. It's just a slow uh, process uh, in which it's very difficult sometimes to say which is the day. Only I remember, yes, that I was in a Campus Crusade for Christ a summer camp in Uruguay when, and I must have been about 18, 19, uh, when I when I realized there yeah, that I had to had to sort of voice it out, you know, express it, say it. But I felt it was there already. Now, don't ask me the process. Mike has helped helped me a lot to understand that process because I was always thinking that that there was something missing, that there was a step I hadn't given there and that I was always missing something. But it was very reassuring when, when I came into the to the relationship with Mike and the Abiding Life message about what a conversion is, you know. Mm-hmm. So my my conversion has no, no, no fi- as I say, no fireworks there. It's just a progress that shows me how God is working in so many different aspects in your life to lead you to to salvation which of course there is a, a point in which there is something but it's not those big explosions and and turning 300 and, uh, 180 degrees in different direction you know no not not nothing of that but well um that's that's being said there's nothing much to 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 sort of to to expand on my conversion and uh, how I came back, came to be acquainted with ALMI. Well, when I was younger, I don't say when I was young, I say when I was younger, 
I used to do quite a bit of interpretation. Already I'm talking about in, in my married life and with a family. Mm-hmm. I used to do it both in the secular world and in the church environment. And one day, that must have been around 86, 87, a pastor by the name of Milton Pope asked me if I could interpret for a visiting speaker. Milton usually used to do that, but for some reason, he needed help. And I would like to underline this some reason. It links to something later. This brother had started a Pentecostal seminary in Buenos Aires, and he called it Faith Bible Seminary because he started without a penny. And he ended up with branches all over the country. That's why he called it Faith Seminary. Hmm. Now, the way God orchestrates things is amazing. First, he takes me as an interpreter to the Billy Graham Conference in Amsterdam in mid-86. There I meet Milton. And then, about six or eight months later, he has Milton so busy that he cannot interpret for someone, and he asks me to do it, and that someone is Mike. (laughs) Wow. Hmm. If we hadn't met in Amsterdam, I suppose Milton would have never heard of me. So uh, it's interesting and how how God links things and how God prepares things beforehand, you know. Yes. So it wasn't until a few years later that I heard from Mike that uh, it was his first trip out to Argentina and then that it was his first trip uh, with an interpreter, with the aid of an interpreter. So he kept that very quiet for a good few years, then, then he let me know about it. <laughs> and that's how I came acquainted with Jeremiah. And we were there with my wife. Uh, that time we were living in a town called Veronica, very, very far away. So we were lodging at, a, at an aunt of my wife's house. And uh, when we left that evening, we said, that's it. This is it. This is what we've been looking for, you know. And uh, that from the first evening I interpreted for Mike, I knew that there was something there for us. And it turned out, turned out right. That's just that's super. I, I became acquainted with LMI. Well, then, of yes. course, with time, you invited me to be more and more involved. Yes, and we met you. I met you in the states first. Uh, ah, when yes, you were just yes, passing remember. through, when and I've been. Uncle... Well, I've just been remiss in not saying that Hilda has just been a part of this group <laughs> from the get-go. She's just such a special lady, and we have a great relationship with her too. Yeah, yes, I remember. I went to the states when my uncle passed away. And uh, we, we remember we almost got lost in the airport. You were yes. going to pick me up there. Couldn't find each other. Yeah, <laughs> we couldn't find each other. And it just dawned on me to go to the to the airline desk and say, "Well, could you put, put a message through?" And they said, "Yes, okay." And there we re-met. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't have cell phones then. Apps, no cell phones, no WhatsApp, <laughs> or no nothing no. like that. No, no. Mm-mm. So. Do you have other things to say about some ministry friends that you've made while you've been involved with Abiding Life Ministries and before? I just, I remembered that you interpreted for Billy Graham when he would come down, and I think that's really a special part of of the life that you've had, uh, yes, that God's I, given I you in ministry. 
Yes, I didn't interpret personally for Billy Graham when he came here. There were other interpreters. Oh, I, was interpreting. I thought that was you. No, I went to the Billy Graham. Uh, I've been in two or three Billy Graham conferences, Prescription for Hope, also in, in, in the States. Uh, but um, I did for his team. I translated a lot for Bill Fasig, uh, Roy Gustafson, and many of the John Innes and all these people, but I uh, never interpreted directly for Billy Graham. I would have loved to, but I didn't have the chance to it. Maybe I wasn't called to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, and we made good friends in, in many countries. Uh, for example, in Guatemala, we have this brother Benjamin Orozco. You know Dory Luz and his family. They have been so so helpful in, in opening doors for us there in, and with a young, well, also Cindy and Dennis and Cindy McCutcheon, well, they were already friends of, 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 of the Wells family. But for me, they are ministry friends since we met them, and they're always willing to help out in things there. And they have a young fellow, I don't want to mention his name, because he, he used to be a, a gang member. And I don't know now, but they were after his life, so we didn't mention mm. his name anywhere. He's working in the prison ministry with with the adolescents, criminal adolescents in 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 a prison in in, in Guatemala, and uh, well, he's also a, a friend of the ministry and uh, working very quietly because if these guys know where he is or hear his name, there might be I don't know I I don't think so it's so bad but there might be some danger for him. Mm-hmm. So he's, these guys had his tattooed from his ears to his toe, to his toe, toe fingers for the life he was living before. But he's a he's a he's a fine Christian and and working. We have good friends in Guatemala. Well, in Uruguay, we have Alfredo Peña, who I've to, I mentioned before in the other uh, section. Uh, we have David Kassan in Mexico. We I knew David Kassan already from here, but when we were in Mexico, uh, he also opened the doors of the of the seminary by recommendation of our brother Milton Pope, because it was a chapter of his seminary. And uh, David is very active, and he's doing now um, a study with ten university teachers in the University of Chapinango. And he's, a couple of them are believers, but some are not. And he's going to make a study of, a, he's going to study problems, presence in God's prayer. And uh, from now, he's already doing it, from now to December. So that's interesting what he's doing there. And then, as I said, we had Henry Romero in Peru. He came out. Uh, some time ago in June, May, June this year, with a group of 30 uh, disciples, and he's doing the the idea of discipleship of, of uh, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the rest of the world. So the last part he had in his plan was the rest of the world, and the end of the world, and that was us. We are the end of the world for his project. And he came out here with a group, and we we that's that's the important thing of cooperating between ministries. You know, we were able to through our son David uh, contact pastors here in very close to where we live, and he came out and they did 
work in on the streets in hospitals and all this and and practiced in a foreign country and when he went back he took about they each one in his luggage took about four or five three it was three copies of each book so it was about f- five six eight books they were taking back home and then he'd get there he got there and and claimed all the books and so now he has about a hundred and something books there assorted for whatever need we have in in peru uh, because it's very difficult to send books out to another country or yes. either you print them or or you smuggle them through if you can <laughs> say that way it's mm-hmm. not really smuggling but it's just taking the allowed amount of books you're you're allowed you're allowed three books uh, of each title so well you can get through with that you can get away with that and uh, then in 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 chile uh, we made good friends there with uh, the bible society director there and i want to be sure because i don't want to make this too long but if, for example in chile our friends there uh, were storing uh, books for us for for a long time and at one time what uh, the group we were very much involved with, which was the, the International Bible Society, they turned into the Bible League. So they had to dispose of about 600 copies of uh, Heavenly Discipleship. So I gave them the instruction. I said, well, send some to Bible Society, who our friend there will try to sell them, or we will have them for any project there, and send uh, some books to to the international to the National Bible Institute. I'm translating the names of the ministries. Well, they sent those books, and about a year or two, almost two years, a year and a half passed. And one day I get a news from the new principal in Chile, in the, that Bible Institute, saying that they were telling me, just sharing the news, that they were uh, starting a subject within their uh, Bachelor in Theology and Bible degree, in which, which was, would be called Evangelism and Discipleship. And he told me that they had a big bunch of our books there, and he was going to use those as a as a textbook for the course. Great. Wow. And I said, how many students? Well, he says, we are going to in- start this in August uh, 2015, up to the end of the year. That would be a, a semester for them. It's not six months, but more or less with a regular flow of 60 students per year. So they're receiving evangelism and discipleship on the basis of heavenly discipleship. At the time when they spoke with a man, he said, and I wrote this down because it's interesting, he said, word by word, he chose he chose HD. Ah, he chose HD because he found a bo- boxes of books there and said, "What's this?" So he picked one up, took it home, read it, and said, "Wow, this is we can't, we can't misusing this." So Aww. he said he he decided, and I quoted this because it is a practical book and obeys the orders of the Lord Jesus Christ to His people. That is, we are called to make disciples of Christ and not of a denomination, as the author teaches. 
I loved that what he said. So well, they're working in Chile. That seminary is working with 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 the heavenly discipleship. Then in in Guatemala, no, in Guatemala, no, it was in Colombia. Uh, we have good relationship with relationship with two ladies related to the Shack Ministry. You know the Shack, that book, the Shack, uh, which I haven't personally read. But uh, they're very nice people, and one of them I came to know because she was in uh, making short messages in an audio book of Mike's books. So I contacted her. I don't know how I got to know about that. She just saw the books and picked them up and, and started making audio messages and had made up. She had a group of WhatsApp and she sent them daily messages. Hmm. So when I contacted her, she said, "Oh yes, I'm doing this," and well. She did the audios and did them a little bit more organized for me, and they're up in the in the ministry page. Of course, it's in Spanish. It's this isn't uh, mm-hmm. useful for English speakers. Sure. But uh, people are downloading them, or they can just listen to them on the on the web page. And then there's another lady, Lorena is her name. She's a trainer for a ministry I mentioned some time ago to you, called Life Interchange. And I'm translating also the ministry here. They're associated with Grace Ministries International in Marietta, Georgia. Apparently, about eight or ten years ago, a pastor came from the U.S. to Colombia with a couple of cases of books of sidetracked and problems. Now, I think this must have been in Kay's time or early Carla's time in the office. So evidently, this brother bought, or I don't know how he got, two cases of books. And he came to them in Colombia as part of the ministry in, in, in the U.S., the Grace Ministries International, and recommended that they use these books. Well, amen. He encouraged them. This ministry, Life Interchange, offers a six-month training for leaders and pastors. And the prerequisite for them, for the participants, is to have read Sidetracked and Problems, and uh, briefly explain in written form what the impact of the book was upon them. Oh, that's great. Now they are using HD, but they download it from the Spanish website because they haven't got it. They have no no books, so they're downloading it. Hmm. And they also have one-day conferences and three to four days conferences open to all people. And this lady, Lorena, is presently holding a conference in Brazil. So I contacted her with Osvaldo Payao, and she was so happy to know that there was, that Mike's books were in, in Portuguese. She had no idea of that. Mm. And uh, then in Cuba, I don't want to be too long, in Cuba, in 2016, a lady called Dailanis came to Argentina from Cuba to prepare for her PhD. She's a friend of Ana Victoria in Costa Rica. With Hilda, we contacted her and assisted her in what we could and sort of kept kept her company when we could. And, of course, introduced her to the the abiding message, and we gave her a a copy of each book, in spite of the fact that she was coming here to study, but if she had time to read it. She did, and uh, she loved the books, and she was already related in Cuba to a Latin American ministry called Irene. It's E-I... E-I-R-E-N-E. Maybe it's somewhere in the States, too, but I know it's mainly Latin American, where they have a program for a master's degree in pastoral care of the family. They're they devoted to the family. 
So uh, she's related to this, and in one of the subjects of this program, they are using Mike's three initial books. That's that's sidetracked, uh, problems, and heavenly discipleship, plus the unique self. They implemented this about, I'd say, 18 months ago. Uh, and within the program, they have a 24-hour introduction course, uh, two years of study for a doctoral thesis. So in, they have to work on these three books, four, these four books, better said, and include them as much as possible in their doctoral thesis. So it's lovely. They started... Uh, with 24 counselors from six or seven denominations in Cuba. And they gave each counselor, uh, to begin with, they gave them 40 books, 10 titles, 10 of each title. And they called it, they, was, they said they were giving them a Mike Wells mini library. <laughs> <laughs> so these people used a total of 240 books of each title from the last printing in Cuba. We printed a thousand and of each title, uh, so that's four thousand books. And she has she used 240 of each title. Uh-huh. Now the the purpose for these people is to go back to their denominations and churches, leave the remaining books. They keep one for themselves. Leave the remaining books in the churches they are the closest churches they are related to and different churches for their lending libraries. You're, I remember, remind you that the churches in Cuba have lending libraries. Yes. And they have to proceed with their investigation work for two years. And at the same time, promote the program they are doing and the books. So they want to expand this to other the churches and denominations, you know, that they are really, really happy about it and, and working hard on this project. It's lovely to see that they are using Mike's books in, in, in Cuba also. With, uh, again, without us ever having put our foot in Cuba. Right. Yeah, that's amazing. That's great. That amazes me how the Lord does. So yes. Yeah, definitely. The, the seeds that get planted just keep growing and growing fruit, and it's wonderful. Hey, it's wonderful, yes. Yes, it's lovely to hear that, yes. One thing I uh, was thinking of when you were talking was that you and Mike did prison ministry in other countries, too. It yeah. was one thing that you both were very good at, and and I really appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, we did ministry, prison ministry in Argentina when he came out here. We went to two prisons here, and then we did it in Guatemala, that was a tremendous experience to see a young little fellow, 14 years old, completely bald. He, and he had a, such a nice face, such a lovely face. But to think that he had murdered two people already. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. He had mm-hmm. two murders in his, uh, in, his, in his history, you know. And he would sit there, and when Mike finished speaking one day, he came up to Mike and hugged him and cried, you know. Mm-hmm. He was really touched, really touched there. And at that same prison, the warden was there like a soldier behind, standing at the back there, listening to every word that Mike was saying. And uh, Dennis was also there at one at that opportunity, with us inside. 
uh, and uh, when we finished that, he said, well, look, I have a team here of a psychologist, sociologist, and whatever gist more. They had a team of about five or six people there. And he said, I'd like you to, would you be willing to have a chat with them and give them some guidelines or some hints as to how to deal with these young people? Well, Mike said, of course. So we arranged, and that was one benefit of being in Guatemala in, for such a long time. Mm-hmm. Because I had made plans for traveling, and I had a gap in between countries, and Guatemala was there. We were waiting for the for the times, and you may remember we were expecting Dennis to be able to draw up a, a conference for us, and then he realized it was too much for him, and uh, he said, I'm sorry, I can't do it. But we had all our tickets already uh, booked and everything. And how God prepared again that time in Guatemala, because we were free to go to radios, to the prison, to have an afternoon with the with these with the team that this prison warden had. Uh, well, it, God used all our time up in Guatemala, and we didn't have a minute to 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 spare. We even visited a seminary there. Lovely there, lovely, lovely. Yes. And then we also did prison work in uh, Mazatlan in Uganda. Yes. Betty, when we yes, the uh-huh. tremendous heat in Mazatlan. <laughs> well, there we had a. I think it was a whole week. We had a prison, or four or five days there in in the Mazatlan prison, and that was a nice experience too. That was very good. Yes. Uh, yeah, I, I like prison work. And Alfredo in Uruguay is doing a bit of prison work too. So he's giving the prisoners there, the inmates, uh, books and talking to them about. Uh, the abiding life m- message in the prisons. It's a message that's well received in the prisons because they aren't really trapped. They are free in Christ if they can just open mm-hmm. their eyes of faith and realize it. Yes, yes. They they are they are trapped until they hear the message. They mm-hmm. are trapped because they, yes. they, it must be terrible. I just cannot think of a minute inside a prison. I just couldn't. I, I couldn't imagine it. I just just. It just doesn't fit into my 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 mindset, you know, that to think that one can be there, and but there are they are there, so they are, they are open. Some are open to 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 that freedom, you know, and it 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 changes their life. And we have in in Argentina. I know I'm running too much on your time, but we have in Argentina prisons that have whole uh, areas sections inside the prison that are devo- but they are used uh, inhabited only by believers and those are the the areas that they have no problems with and many people want to go into that area to be there but they still have to give testimony they have to witness that they are Christians in the other area before they can move over so they have mm-hmm. to go through all the things that the believers uh, receive from the other inmates, and and when they go to the to the believers section, they are really either they were believers or they or or, or they or they pulled back. Mm-hmm. Well, that's because very interesting. The other I, uh, I wish a lot of prisons had a a program like that. 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Especially there are a lot. There, there are a lot of of, of um, Christian ch- chaplains working in their prisons here. A lot, a big number of them. Mm, number. That's great. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I have a friend in Tennessee who puts together music and skits uh, uh-huh. to perform Bible stories in prisons. Mm. Uh, every year she does that. It's really, really a good ministry. Mm, but. Yes, yes. I think we really are done with our time. Oh, yes, indeed we are. Yes, yes. All right. Well, thanks again, Ramundo, for everything and your time. I'm so grateful for you for letting me just share this, and perhaps it will encourage our listeners and supporters and and realize how God moves, because sometimes we see that God has so, so many things in our country, but, but he's working all over the place and, and doing things in, in, in different countries. And it's a great privilege for me to be able to share with our listeners and supporters what God is doing, at least in the, in the Spanish-speaking world. Yeah. I agree. And just yes. how many places we don't know of. Absolutely. Yeah. The Lord yes, just, yes, that's yes. his creative genius. He just oh, keeps yeah. moving and I moving. We love it. I don't need to know what God is doing. Yes, it's, it's, a, it's a testimony. But I don't need to be in the details of what God is doing in Asia or in Africa. Or there. Right. It's his, it's his field. Amen. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks again. And thanks for listening. And we'll get back to you again. Thank you. Thank you, Noah. Goodbye. Goodbye to everyone. Goodbye.